Richard Allen Shrewsbury. Can you tell me a little bit about your past? Oh, actually, you got to tell me your age. Oh, okay. I'm 80. I'll be 80. This is April of night of 2023 and i will be 84 years old next month okay and uh, it's been a long 84 years seems like it's been like separate lifetimes and separate things that i've done several different things that have kind of been a life of their own um i, I grew up my dad died when I was 12 years old, unexpectedly. So, uh, I had uh, two brothers and a sister. My mother needed to make a living, so she bought a little community grocery store. Um, things were going okay, but um, then I stole my uncle's car, and things were kind of downhill for a while. And in order to keep from going to jail, I enlisted in the Navy and uh, was uh, sent to Naval Photography School in Pensacola, Florida. Uh, from there, I went to the to a small aircraft carrier that was built during World War II. It was built to be a cruiser. And uh, halfway through it, they, in World War II, they needed aircraft carriers. So they put a flat top on it and called it an aircraft carrier. And I was assigned to the photography division, with a, which was a small group. I worked with some pretty elite people who, one of whom who had taken three president's pictures, portraits, and was an expert in portrait photography. I learned a lot from him. Um, the Navy decided to put that ship out of commission, so we took it to the Bayonne, New Jersey shipyards and uh, chipped all the paint off of it and uh, put it out of commission. And then I got orders to go to the USS Saratoga, which at that time was the largest ship in the world. Um, and uh, it went on a cruise to the Mediterranean. We went on a cruise to the Mediterranean I was stationed, uh, or I was assigned to the uh, Air Com AIO office, or Air Combat, Air Intelligence office, and uh, my general quarters station was in a vault which contained uh, folders and. Uh, that contained information that a pilot would need. They were called target folders, and they would contain all the information that a pilot might encounter during a flight to drop bombs to a specific place in Russia. Um, gee, uh, 
I flew with a carrier group, which means that I was an aerial photographer in an air, assigned to an airplane, and I did that for a while. I actually landed an airplane at, on a carrier three times, which was pretty scary if you were, uh, I had vision problems. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, depth perception particularly was a real disadvantage in a landing an aircraft carrier uh, landing on an aircraft carrier they had what they called a meatball which was a light at the edge of the carrier which signaled for you to go up down right or left mm -hmm. and um, anyway I, I was able to visit with the ship most of the countries along the Mediterranean, France, Italy, Spain, uh, Greece, several others. Um, I had served my time in the Navy, was stationed back in Jacksonville, Florida, and came home from there, um, got out of the Navy, um, worked for various companies for a short time, uh, got married for the first time, uh, worked for an office machine company, uh, worked on pretty sophisticated recording equipment that was used in police departments and airports uh, and uh, we lived in Joplin, Missouri and Topeka, Kansas and my home was in Nevada, Missouri. My wife wanted to, at the time, wanted to get back there so uh, we moved back. I went to engage in a business, Sonic Drive-Ins. Was a co-owner with some other partners, and at one time I uh, owned an interest in in or um, managed four different Sonic Drive-Ins. They were had a niche market of the part of the market of the fast food industry back then, and they have been very successful. Um, but my partners couldn't get along with each other, so I ended up selling the business, my interest in the business to them. Um, went on to uh, build a restaurant called Spanky's in Lamar, Missouri, and for 10 years I was in the restaurant business. Restaurant business pretty tricky. Nine out of 10 new restaurants fail within the first year. Mm -hmm. It's not, uh, and we had years where I made quite a bit of money, and we had years where I lost quite a bit of money. <laughs> in the end, uh, the, local businesses in the city of Lamar 
failed themselves, and that put about half of the city out of work, and our business fa failed too. Mm -hmm. uh, had a friend uh, who uh, had been in the ice cream street vending business in Kansas City, and uh, we kind of went together as separate but uh, joined venture in the ice cream street vending business. Um, and it was an in interesting business. I had thought of writing a book about it and may yet called The View from the Ice Cream Truck. I'd love to hear it. But uh, since this is about my life, I, um, I, my failures along the way uh, in romance, uh, my first wife and I had gotten a divorce. Uh, second wife and I were struggling and we ultimately divorced. And um, a third wife, uh, we got along pretty good. All of these were positive as far as I was concerned and uh, I had three children, all boys. Um, which children are life as children, and yet you know you've got to uh, provide money for them, and and um, that's always part of the goal, and that was certainly part of my goal. Um, the um, ice cream vending business kept you busy on the times that most people were enjoying life. I mean, uh, evenings, weekends, holidays, summertime, all of those were the best time to be out on the street selling ice cream. Mm -hmm. And um, it, it made a, its own struggle as far as your rest of your relationships were concerned. Um, I mar had married a third wife. Uh, all of my life, we struggled and, and um, she passed away, Pam. Uh, by then, I was about 70 years old in life. Life goes on. Mm -hmm. um, you have to stop and think. Um, Oh, no, you're fine. But I really want to hear about your book, um, uh, Life Behind the Ice Cream, or 
view from uh, behind the that view, ice cream truck. The view from the ice cream truck. How would well, that book go? It, it, I mean, it gives you a sense of a view of society that most people never get. Mm-hmm. In the ice cream truck, you would think your first reaction might be to think, "Well, you go to the rich part of town where the kids have money." Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that's the furthest from the truth. <laughs> from the ice cream truck, you want to go to the poor part of town mm-hmm. because in the rich part of town, the kids have plenty of ice cream in yeah. the freezer. <laughs> um, they, uh, you go to the poor part of town and you make their day. Their ice cream truck is the thing that makes the 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 their day mm-hmm. um, and they have to get money <laughs> but a lot of parents will i mean the ice cream truck the ice cream truck is here the ice cream yeah. truck <laughs> what parent isn't going to give them the last dime to their kid mm-hmm. <laughs> buy ice cream mm-hmm. And so it's not uncommon to see kids come out about half naked uh, from a a house that's not air-conditioned. And the perception also is that the hotter it gets, the more ice cream you can sell. Mm -hmm. And that's not true either. you sell ice cream when people and kids are outdoors. And uh, in the rich part of town, of course, they all have air conditioning. They may not even be able to hear the ice cream truck Mm -hmm. for the air conditioner or the mere fact that they're indoors. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas the kids that are out to play in the heat of the day, they... The ice cream truck is, it's not the ice cream, it's the experience mm-hmm. that you get. And um, probably one of the most interesting jobs of my life. <laughs> um, and interestingly enough, one of the most profitable. Mm. If I were going, I, I have a friend now who I had worked with as a partner earlier who owns, I think he owns 43 ice cream trucks. Wow. From Joplin, Missouri. Those trucks go to Candace, Missouri. <laughs> you can drive 100 miles uh, and still make justify the gas and the expense because you're selling a product mm-hmm. that's... may cost you 50 cents even today in 2023 may cost you 50 cents that you can sell for four or five dollars so the markup justifies all the expense Uh, in the old days we used to say you could buy it for a dime and sell it for a dollar (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, which may not be as good as alcohol, which you can buy for, you used to could buy for a dime, sell for a dollar, and it was habit forming, but ice cream man, or the ice cream truck is habit forming in its own way. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it was not only an interesting business, profitable business, but it, it, it was, I mean, you got out and worked in the sweat of the hot, summertime but you went places that many people will never see Mm -hmm. Um, the absolute poor part of town Mm -hmm. and that's where you sell ice cream Um, what else can I describe to you um, back to the book, like, so what, what kind of book would it, would it be? Would it be a book about well, your experiences or your lessons or? Well, I, I had thought that of two different issue, issues of the book. One would be, well, I guess uh, the main part of the book would just be to cover the experiences that you might encounter or that you should encounter Mm -hmm. and the actual mechanics of um, building the ice cream truck itself. An ice cream truck is not something you go to a dealership and buy. (laughs) I want to buy an ice cream truck. (laughs) Um, The most successful ice cream trucks were converted passenger vans with mm-hmm. windows mm-hmm. Uh, you wanted one with uh, one of the big concerns with an ice cream truck is safety for the kids mm-hmm. I mean here you've got something that attracts kids from all directions mm-hmm. who run out in the street regardless of traffic yeah. and you're responsible so you know we equipped this with, with the trucks with the what the school buses use is swinging st- stop signs. Mm-hmm. Ours said slow, yeah, was but they had blinking that. lights on mm-hmm. them. And we used uh, decals and that said stop slow. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, the menu decals themselves changed every year. Mm-hmm. Um, one year you might sell a, the most product might be a, a ninja turtle <laughs> face like a ninja turtle next year might be one called Tweety Bird <laughs> um, and the mechanics of keeping a freezer operating in a truck is somewhat of a challenge itself. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are several ways you can do that, but the best way, there, there is a company that makes a special freezer called a cold plate freezer, mm-hmm. which will run all night and then stay cold all day long, even though you're working out of it. Mm-hmm. Very expensive. They, one today probably costs about $15,000 or wow. more. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, in the old days, we used to 
gasoline powered Honda generator. We used the Honda because it was quiet. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, there were a few other, but a lot of the things about the ice cream business was just the safety itself and and learning I mean the little things that go with any business but particularly with a business where you've got the lives of kids at stake mm -hmm. and just to give you a little idea of the of the mechanics involved um, in Kansas City there was a company that operated and they had a bad record and my friend and I went up and to consult with them on safety and we taught them things like you you come up into a stop and you've got five kids or six kids here and they all say, I want this, that, or the other. Well, what they were doing was giving the child that spoke first his popsicle or, or whatever it was and that kid, and then in reality you wanted to take, lay out each product that each one of them wanted and then so that you could watch when they crossed the street or when they went away. And instead of get, letting them leave all at separate times, mm -hmm. you wanted them to leave all together and to where you could watch and be concerned. Okay. A lot of little things like that in the ice cream street vending business, but most interesting part of my life. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Now, I, I don't know if I've seen any, any ice cream trucks here in Stockton, though. Are, yeah. are there? Yeah. There are? Uh, they come from Springfield. Mm. Hmm. Um, not a lot, but um, they'll, you'll see it particularly in the spring and the fall, mm -hmm. which are the best two times for the ice cream business. When it gets hot, then mm -hmm. the people do migrate to in the house mm -hmm. under the air conditioner. Yeah. But spring and fall are the best. When, when it's nice to be outside, mm -hmm. it's the best time for the ice cream vending business. Okay, so what what was the best time you ever had on route selling ice cream? How how much did you? What how much revenue did you make? Oh well, I mean you got to keep in mind that this was twenty years ago. Mm -hmm. But, uh, and I I had several drivers. Mm -hmm. What you would typically do would be hire someone, when I say hire someone, you, you, you'd usually enter into a contract with them that they would, uh, you essentially kind of put them in business for themselves. Mm -hmm. They bought the gas. They paid a small fee for the use of the truck, and they you they got a percentage of everything that they sold. Mm -hmm.
but at a time when, you know, a lot of jobs paid maybe at the most $10 an hour or less, why you could make $100 a day selling mm-hmm. ice cream as a high contract hire person. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's Monday through Sunday. Oh, you could do it every every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sun up to sundown. Well, mostly from. I mean, you could sell ice cream, and my friend used to say you could sell ice cream on Christmas Day. You just couldn't sell as much. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, the the most ice cream you would sell say between two o'clock and sundown, mm-hmm. uh, as long as the kids could get outside and it was safe to, for them to be outside. Mm-hmm. But uh, rainy days mm, would discourage a lot of drivers, but the real good drivers knew that it usually didn't rain all day. It mm-hmm. usually just rains an hour to or less and they would go out anyway and then when it stopped <laughs> raining why well, it's just fine mm-hmm. so and how many years did you do that oh on I mean more or less for like maybe 10 years or uh-huh. eight, 8 to 10 years mm-hmm. I would have done it when I was in the restaurant business if I, if I had known the difference in the profitability. Mm-hmm. Uh, More customers. <laughs> so, that's kind of the story of my life. Okay. Um, okay, let's, so let's transition to the present now. Tell me about your, the present time. Well, currently, uh, I've married a... For a fourth time, that's the story. I mean, you might think that, well, he's not very successful with women, (laughs) and that's pretty obvious. (laughs) And on the other hand, I'm friends with three three living wives. Uh, Currently, I'm married to a woman who is the love of my life currently and mm-hmm. um, she's also friends with my ex-wives mm-hmm. um, so I, I have a friend who says this and I like to adhere to it it's all good <laughs> Good. So, um, I, I have some serious health issues now, but I've li- I've outlived the average male person. Mm-hmm. Uh, have heart issues, uh, Parkinson's disease. Uh, but I enjoy not doing much uh, and uh, 
to me, everybody should be able to go through a phase of that and enjoy just taking it easy and not doing much. Mm-hmm. Uh, I enjoy reading. I, most of my reading now is done by way of an electronic device, <laughs> like everybody. Um uh, I used to read a lot of books when I didn't have time to read books. Now I have time, but I don't have the, um, um, oh, I'm looking for a word. Uh, Capacity. Uh, well, the, I, I don't have the patience to, to sit down and read an, a long book. I mean, drive, yeah. um, vision is, is its own struggle. But uh, but I enjoy reading iPad. Um, I remember when the iPhone was first introduced, and um, Steve Jobs said it would change the world, and I, in my opinion, he had no idea how much it would change the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, everybody has their own eyeballs stuck in their phone these days, <laughs> including me and you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a big thing for sure. So that is pretty much the story. Okay. So you said you've been married four times. I'm sure you have a well of knowledge about in that area so experience, uh, experience. i don't know about knowledge <laughs> okay um so if i don't know how many points you would have but what are some things that you learned throughout those four marriages well pick an interesting person mm-hmm. pick a person that's it's similar to, to your own in morals and in interest. Um, be forgiving. Mm-hmm. There's an old saying, don't go to bed mad. Yeah. Mm, few people actually do that, but it's a good theory and uh, one that might go a long ways just mm-hmm. by itself. Um, there's an old saying too that opposites attract I think that's true but usually not for the long period Um, better to go with someone with your own quirks and uh, that you do have common grounds with And that's hard to find, but it's best to wait until you find that person. Mm-hmm. But don't expect that things will align perfectly because they won't. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing that I would point out that probably is in conclusion, I would point out that there's no magic. Mm-hmm. Just 
Go see what happens. <laughs> okay. So, I don't know. Would you? What, what would you say you learned from each marriage, though? Well, uh, I would say along the way I learned the things that I just described to yeah. you to look for mm-hmm. that I didn't look for. Uh, but, you know, maybe particularly stand up for the things that that you believe in mm-hmm. and uh, the things that you like and uh, react in the way that you have to react but in the position that you're put in um, I mean I learned those things gradually along and in con- conclusion um, you, you just I mean each relationship had its own things at the time mm-hmm. but pretty much the same thing, uh, I mean, I, to me, the biggest mistake that people make is not to look for the the, the uh, patterns in their own lives. And over and over again, I, I have friends who do the same thing, th- including myself, mm-hmm. who make the same mistakes over and over and uh, each relationship re- requires that it be examined in relationship to the things of the past mm-hmm. and to make sure that you're not doing the common mistake of just doing the wrong things over and over and over. <laughs> and a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. But really, it's all good. Yeah. Um, so, would you say that from all of the four marriages you've had, from the first one you learned something that you could apply to the second one, to the third one, you know, to the f- fourth one? Not so much. Maybe I didn't learn what I should have learned. Mm-hmm. Maybe I didn't see what I should have seen. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I mean, each relationship is different and mm-hmm. stands on its own. Yeah. Uh, and even in failure, you can have success, I mean, leaving the relationship with the good parts that there were. And I was able to do that. And uh, some of those relationships didn't all fail due to what I did wrong, Mm -hmm. but they certainly, in hindsight, I would have done differently. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if there's any 
magic involved in you know in, in one relationship or the other but different everything's everything in life is a little different mm-hmm. every experience every relations every relationship is a little different just do the best you can with what you got mm-hmm. you said you had four kids now tell me three. Uh, three sorry how was that well, I had two ki- two boys by first marriage. Uh, one boy by <laughs> second marriage, and mm-hmm. that was. And then my current wife, Stacy, has uh, two boys. Between us, we had five, mm-hmm. and uh, currently, so. Uh, kind of wanted to have a girl, but we we take what we get. Yeah. Now, why did you want a girl? Oh, just because variety. Friday? Oh, variety. Variety. I mean, but it doesn't matter really once you have them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're they're all all yours. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, Okay, so what uh, were some lessons? What's one lesson you've learned being a father then? Well, the the two first boys, life was a little bit different then. Men were not expected to be emotional or... Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the bringing up was expected to be done by the mother mm-hmm. and not so much by the man of the family who was expected to go out and earn the living. That changed with my second son. I mean, he, I, for example, I was able to see him born and that creates its own... I think that every man should see his child born if that's possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm sure it's different with different people, different men, but uh, I had a much closer bonding relationship with Corey, who was my third child. We spent more time together I was, I knew a little more, I guess. Mm-hmm. I had had, a, indeed, a little more experience. Um, we talked more. We just spent, uh, we read books together. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody should read this book about the the um, battleship Bismarck. Uh, it, it was everybody should have something. Mm-hmm. For me, with Corey, it, it was reading books, and okay. particularly I, I remember one. 
that we read together that he really, I mean, he really got into, and you don't know what that's going to be unless you get out and try. Continue doing it, yeah. We read the story and followed up with other books about the the um, German battleship Bismarck. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bismarck was the largest ship ever built, mm-hmm. largest battleship. Uh, it was during World War Two. We examined the the causes of the war and the progress of the war, and the um, ways that humanity can do better. Um, the waste that was involved. Mm-hmm. The humanity. I mean, there were. 4,000 German sailors on the Bismarck who sailed from the North Sea. Seven, it lived less than seven days mm-hmm. until it was sank to the bottom of the sea. Wow. Um, there's a song Johnny Horton sang, Sink the Bismarck. <laughs> It's an interesting story that every school kid should read. Mm-hmm. But Corey and I found our way to use that into various other ways of life and living that I wished I'd had with the two uh, Todd and Eric, the first two boys. Mm-hmm. But we tend to grow maybe a little wiser with time. Uh, some of us do, some of us don't. Um, but again, uh, there's no magic. It's just do the best you can do. Mm-hmm. Okay, so was there ever a time where either your boys, they called you and they said, I'm dealing with this, you know, how to raise their their children. Was there ever a time that they ever called you or asked you for advice or? Mm-hmm. Most of the time when they asked me for advice, um, the first two kids, most of the time when they asked me for my advice, it was how to fix their car. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with Corey, he didn't so much. Uh, uh, first of all, he, of course, he, granddaughters wise, he had two girls, so he was dealing with something that I didn't know anything about. <laughs> uh, I, I remember one thing that he did thank me for, that I didn't think much of at the time. Mm-hmm. I, but. He reminded me of a conversation that we had when he was a kid. I remember I I said to him, and it was the kind of drug kind of uh, conversation that most people do or should indeed have with their kid. Mm -hmm. I said, you know, don't get caught in the situation of being with a bunch of other kids and being asked to do something, take drugs, do whatever, that, that 
would require you to make a sudden decision that might be wrong because you might be caught up in the passion of the moment. Mm -hmm. I said, think about that now. Think about that ahead, ahead of time. Think about what you would or would not do. Mm -hmm. I'm not here to tell you what to do or not to do, but I am telling you to think about it ahead of time so that you're just not put in that situation. Mm -hmm. And that he, he came back to thank me several years later many years later mm -hmm. for that advice so i'll i'll cherish <laughs> the the thank you mm -hmm. that's awesome okay so tell me what was your parenting style parenting slash disciplining style well i'll tell you my parenting style in in context of, of of the failed marriage, okay, mm -hmm. or marriages, obviously that's not good. Um, but when the time came to separate from their mother, we tried to do it in a adult way. We knew collectively and separately, we knew that it wasn't good for them, but we did do that we had screwed up in life mm -hmm. to our own extent. But we did our very best to, I mean, I don't think either one of us ever said a bad word to the kids about the other. Mm -hmm. We specifically agreed to that and I would I think we would both to this day and I think the kids would agree we never spoke bad about it. so that's and I know she did most of the work and I speak well of her and them, two different women, who are the mother of my children, who, I mean, maybe we didn't select each other just right, mm -hmm. but we, we tried to do the right thing with the, and we tried our own I mean, we knew the other's morality, if you will. We knew the other's things in life, the style, the theory of child rearing. Mm -hmm. uh, I have never been one to believe in striking in the form of spanking or hitting or anything else. I just don't have, have subscribed to the theory that, you know, that that's not the best or even, I'm not saying it, I would never 
Uh, yeah, I would. I would say I would never spank a child. I would not be an advocate for that. Mm-hmm. I realize that there are other people who who advocate sincerely for that style of child raising. Mm-hmm. Uh, my problem with it is not that you can't raise a child r- right that way. I certainly think you can. And, uh, to show the child love and so on is everything. But I, I just, you know, I, I, it becomes a fine line for some people between hitting and spanking and other forms. Um, I, I've been, <laughs> I've been paddled at school. <laughs> yeah, so have I. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I can remember a gym class where the fairly r- routinely the coach said, everybody line up on the line, <laughs> <laughs> right down the line. <laughs> so that's not to say that that's not, can't, can't be, have a positive outcome. But it it's so easy to cross it. It you can cross the line there. Mm-hmm. There's there can be a fine line, and people do cross that line. Mm-hmm. I mean, people who um, abuse their child, their mm-hmm. children, uh, can do so in the name of being well intended yeah but uh, I you know of the three boys I've never had to bail any any of them out of jail <laughs> they all have they have children of their own and by and large they're successful parents of their own and citizens of their own that I'm proud of. Mm. Good. Okay, so let's go to the future. What do you see? What is your vision? What is... Well, I mean, at at 84 years old, with serious health issues, I look forward to my own demise. (laughs) Um, and to do so in a constructive way. I mean, my concern is, concerns are, and I don't think I'll ever get done the things that need to be done, not all of them anyway. I don't look forward to any, um, big adventures or trips. I've spent my time on vacations in visiting my brother in Germany multiple times. Uh, I've traveled to oh, 10 or 11 or 12 different countries, not extensively. I've seen many parts of the United States, although there's many that I have not seen that I would like to see that 
I won't see. I mean, I, I don't have any plans to do anything really extensive. I have my plans are pretty much to enjoy easy sitting in a rocking chair and, <laughs> and time that I can enjoy as if I want to sleep in, I can sleep in. If I want to stay up late, I can stay up late. Um, read books, read books. So, uh, your your ability to appreciate things does change as life goes on. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, it's a conditioning process. I mean, you condition yourself to accept your own demise. Mm-hmm. And um, the saying, we all die, well, we, so far. <laughs> so far it's true. Everybody dies. and um, They've had an experience that I haven't had yet. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. So, um, eighty-four years. Would there be anything that you, when you look back at your life, would there be anything that you would see or think that you wish you could go back and change, or are you fine with how life has been? <laughs> well, if you could go back and change. Almost everybody would do something or maybe everything differently, and that mm-hmm. includes me. You don't need to think about it because you can't go back and change. True. Yes. No. No. No need to waste your time thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I, if I could, yes, I mm-hmm. would change almost everything day to day. If you could do, uh, as I say, if I knew now. If I knew then what I know now, <laughs> I would do thus and thus and thus. Yeah. So. Okay. So, I guess my last question would be, um, again, from your eighty-four years of life, what, what would be your number one, your number one um, lesson that you if somebody was were to hear this what what would you want to tell them what would be number one life lesson hmm, maybe i better think about that yeah i mean from <laughs> from everything you've been telling me i mean I, I from my conclusion it would be to just enjoy life you know to take well, it easy go i mean a, a lot of people would say this just go with your gut mm-hmm. um uh, you gotta be able to assess your own self and your own gut. Mm-hmm. But if you think you're right, and, and many re- re- regrets I don't have, I mean that I would do differently involve letting somebody talk talk me into a different point of view when I really didn't want to. Or it was just a matter of yielding to 
a business partner, uh, a wife. Um, we're all endowed or blessed with different levels of being right mm-hmm. and being wrong. I mean, uh, and some of us don't know when we're right and we're wrong. Uh, most people sometimes don't. But we're born with different levels of everything. Knowledge. Knowledge is acquired, but knowledge is... The ability to acquire knowledge is somewhat innate, but different. Mm. Uh, The old saying that all men are created equal, I would describe to you as... I mean, first of all, let's up to date a little bit let's say all people are equated equal if we were going to say it but people in different positions and uh, parts of the world and levels um, where where you are born maybe one of the most important decisions that you never make. Mm-hmm. Uh, where you are born determines things like your social economic status, uh, where you are born likely determines your religion. Yeah. Don't take this wrong. I think that there are many people that I know as good Christian, if you'll excuse the term, or like the term, good Christian people would make perfectly good Muslims if they were born on the other side of the earth. Mm-hmm. Um, the, there's a lot of luck that goes with life. Mm-hmm. including where you were born and the genes that you're born with. And uh, some people just don't have as much as others in many ways. And we don't understand ourselves. And we, as, a, as science and as we ourselves from a uh, religious point of view and judge ourselves uh, we don't have the same perception of how we look at other people mm-hmm. um, we don't understand life mm-hmm. uh, we don't understand the mechanics of life like we will. I mean, 
It's a perfectly good question. Are there aliens? <laughs> what do they look like? Yeah. What we know of them, it comes from science fiction, Star Wars. Mm-hmm. E.T. Uh, in reality, science will, as time goes by, understand more. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you... I mean, I'm a believer in, and I feel strongly about, and science obviously agrees with me, but or some science that I'm a big believer in evolution. Um, you take what you've got and add a few billion years to it, and it will likely be different. Mm-hmm. Uh, and people have a hard time understanding what a few billion years can do for the earth, for life, for plants. Uh, there's a lot we don't know. Mm-hmm. And some of which we'll know more, and some of which we may have known all we'll ever know. Um, That's it. Anything else I say might be used against me. <laughs> well, I think that's the end of it then. Um, thank you very much. It was I enjoyed it. I learned a couple new things for sure. Um, I have written a few college papers after having interviewed interviewed my uncle. Her it was a World War Two veteran of the Pacific, and you get to talking to. It's intriguing. Some people. I mean, I'm not that interesting a guy, but some people are. I mean, and you give Herb a chance to talk. He would tell stories, and he was in the. Pacific Islands. Mm. He was not a general, I forget his rank, but he was a fairly high-ranking officer who made some pretty crucial decisions. Mm-hmm. And uh, interesting fellow. Uh, but anyway... the end of the show i guess that was richard shrewsbury and 84 and counting april the 14th april the 14th your birthday oh (laughs) yeah thank you for listening to life cycle podcast if you'd like to reach out to me my email is l-i-f-e period c-i-c-l-e one at gmail.com and my instagram is t-i-m-a-s underscore a-r-y-a thank you for listening again please like share subscribe and rate it five stars please thank you so much (laughs) 